Section twenty of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume two continued. Boulogne, December the sixth. Nothing is so conducive to the body's health as the mind's being at ease. I have proved the truth of this observation my soul had been racked with suspense and uncertainty during my illness the uneasy state of my mind increased my disorder the disorder itself had chiefly given rise to my apprehensions as pain and sickness are naturally accompanied with a gloominess of thought thus the cause and its effects were united in mutual league against me and reciprocally assisted each other to plague and torment me my fears were entirely on Mrs. Arnold's account. What thought I would be the consequence of my project in case of my death? Mrs. Gerard will return back to England, and upon telling her story will be received again by Arnold, their union perhaps established as firmly as before, and poor Mrs. Arnold's hopes ruined for ever. Then I thought what a wretch I must appear in her eyes, doubtful maybe of my sincerity as to the motives i urged to you for my conduct on the other hand if these motives should by any means happen to be suspected by mrs gerard it might be the means of producing the direct contrary effect from what i intended and instead of banishing arnold's cruel suspicions of his lady only serve to strengthen them for I knew Mrs. Gerard would leave nothing unsaid or undone for this horrid purpose. And it is not every one, Sir George, whose hearts are enlarged enough to suppose a man may now and then take a little pains from disinterested principles. This last suggestion of my thoughts made me almost mad, and actually brought on a delirium, and what may seem a paradox, though it is literally true, the total deprivation of my senses for two days was the means of my recovering them afterwards, for I am sure, had I retained enough of them to have ruminated longer on this fatal supposition, and my disorder had still threatened me with death, I should have run mad. The care of a skilful physician recalled me from the precincts of the grave. The strength of a constitution naturally good joined to all the resolution I could muster, did the rest. The first use I made of my recovered reason was to consult with myself in what manner or by what means I should prevail on Mrs. Gerard to lend a helping hand to my design. Her leaving Arnold to go off with me and to all human appearance with her own consent was a material point gained but the most important of all and without which everything else would be fruitless was to get her to acknowledge under her own hand the injury she had done mrs arnold by her vile insinuations to her husband this was the grand object of all my wishes this you will say was difficult i confess it did then appear so to me I had not at first weighed all the consequences of my enterprise with that deliberation that I ought. The principal object I had in view 
was the separating mrs gerard and mr arnold and raising his indignation against her on account of the apparent infidelity on her side to say the truth i had not considered what i was to do with her when i had her two things i had resolved on the one was not to let her return to england the other to provide for her in whatever way she would put it in my power the devoting myself to her excepted in such a manner as should leave her no room to reproach me with having injured her temporal welfare during my illness i had resolved all these things in my mind the last that is the providing for mrs gerard was not a matter in which i expected to meet many difficulties the other appeared very formidable several methods presented themselves but none of them pleased me and i rejected them one after the other and to tell you my mind honestly i was almost resolved on using compulsion and frightening the poor woman into compliance for i preferred even this to artificial dealings i had already used more than i could have possibly brought myself to on any other occasion in the world and i think i should have threatened her with a nunnery the bastille or even an inquisition sooner than have failed if she herself had not gone beyond expectation beyond hope almost beyond the evidence of my senses led me as it were to request the thing of her which of all others i most despaired of her consenting to or even hearing proposed with patience and yet notwithstanding the seeming strangeness of this it was nothing but what was very natural and most consonant to her own designs blinded and as i may say infatuated by vanity she imagined that as i had taken such uncommon pains to obtain her i must love her with an uncommon degree of passion and that her steadily refusing any dishonourable proposals might induce me rather than lose her to make her my wife in order to prepare me the better for this no means were more natural than for her to assume the air of a penitent to seem sorry and ashamed of her past sins and resolve on a virtuous course for the future at the worst that is if she found i was not disposed to be as virtuous as herself she knew she might play an after-game and could easily relax by degrees from the severity of her chastity accordingly as i made it worth her while this was the master key to her behaviour and when once i had got it which i soon did it was easy to unlock her breast she came into my room the next morning without an invitation and only the previous ceremony of sending rachel to inquire how i did and to tell me if i were well enough to rise observe her nicety she would sit half an hour with me i had enjoyed such tranquillity of heart since my last conference with her and had rested so well the preceding night that i find myself quite another thing from what i was the day before and excepting a little weakness I was as well as ever I was in my life. I was up and dressed, and you may be sure 
sent a suitable answer to her kind message which soon brought the lady sailing with an imperial port into my chamber after some civilities passed on both sides she by way of bringing her own interests on the tapis reassumed the topic of our yesterday's conversation you can't imagine mr falkland said she how easy i am in my mind since i have reconciled myself to the loss of mr arnold i own i had a regard for him but i think it had more of gratitude than love in it for though he is an agreeable man to say the truth he never was quite to my taste he had always something too formal about him i took the liberty to ask her how she first came acquainted with mr arnold and as you may not know it i will give you the story she answered with a profound sigh it was by mere accident i first saw him after the death of captain gerard which happened in a little more than a year after we left bath for the gout poor man got into his stomach not long after we returned home and the crocodile pretended to drop a tear i went to london in order to solicit for my pension as i had formerly been a roman catholic and had not publicly renounced that persuasion some difficulties arose in the business and a friend of my deceased husband who had undertaken the affair for me happened to be an intimate of mr arnold's and knowing he had an influence with the secretary at war endeavoured to interest him in my favour by representing my situation in the most affecting light he could to him he kindly undertook to interfere for me and was as good as his word but could not surmount the difficulty of the objection which was made to my claim he happened one morning unluckily for me to call in at my friend's lodgings to tell him of his ill success i impatient to know how my affair went on had dropped in to inquire about it a few minutes before him and was sitting in the dining-room when mr arnold entered i was in my weeds and my melancholy looks i believe made mr arnold conjecture i was the person for whom he had so kindly concerned himself he told my friend he was sorry to inform him that though he had used all means in his power with regard to the affair in which he had employed him he found it was impossible to affect the business and i am the more concerned said he turning towards me as i am afraid this lady is to be the sufferer my relation said i was the person for whom he had been so good as to intercede i returned mr arnold thanks not without tears at the uncomfortable prospect i had before me for i had then nothing to depend on but my small jointure in kent i was about to take my leave but observing it rained desired my friend to give his servant leave to call me a chair mr arnold very politely desired i would permit him to set me down as his chariot waited at the door i would have excused myself but my relation said tis in his way child and since you have no hopes of a pension you ought to be sparing of chair hire 
mr arnold very obligingly offered me his hand and led me to his chariot he set me down at my lodgings and at parting desired permission to wait on me the fatal consequence of our acquaintance it was impossible for me to foresee for i never had the least hint given me either from my own relation or mr arnold himself that he was a married man till he had so far secured my gratitude by repeated acts of generosity that it was impossible for me to refuse him the return he demanded too grateful heart said i pretending to believe her cant what a pity thou wert not destined to reward a purer love but i thought madam you really had enjoyed a pension it was not necessary she answered that i should let the world suppose otherwise i was not at all known when i first came to town mr arnold's excessive profuseness quite against my inclination threw me into a more expensive way of living than before i found myself obliged to account for it to the few acquaintance i had by all the probable means i could devise for this purpose i pretended that i had not only obtained a pension but had also a fortune left me by the death of a relation this was believed as nobody troubled their heads to inquire whether it was true or not mr arnold was passionately fond of the country and always passed his summers there but as he could not think of parting with me he was sadly at a loss how to have me near him without bringing on us both the observation of an inquisitive neighbourhood such as all country places abound in if i went down quite a stranger as i was into essex particularly as he told me there were two families near arnold abbey who made it their business to pry into other people's affairs these were lady grimston a censorious old woman and the parson of the parish who was a mighty strict man of whom mr arnold seemed to stand in some awe he therefore determined against my going into that part of the world but having casually heard me speak of my little cottage in kent where poor captain gerard and i had lived for two or three years he asked me whereabouts it was and was delighted to find it joined his own estate at south park and was within a mile of his house he begged of me to go down to my own house which he insisted on furnishing elegantly for me and obliged me also to keep a chariot i though unwillingly found myself under a necessity of complying about a fortnight after i was settled at ashby mr arnold and his family came down then it was that for the first time i saw his lady i went to pay my compliments to her as every genteel family in the neighbourhood did and i own i never saw her without feeling myself shocked to death at the thoughts of the injury i did her for i really believe mrs arnold is a very well-meaning woman oh thou scorpion muttered i to myself and yet thou hast pursued her to affliction and ruin that mrs arnold is a well-meaning woman said i coldly 
I have no doubt. Yet you see Mr. Arnold's opinion of her virtue was not strong enough to be proof against suspicions, for it is most certain that if he had not given credit to your representations of his wife's conduct, he would not have gone to such lengths to have parted with her, for Arnold had always some regard to appearances. "'My representation, sir,' with a look of astonishment, "'pray do not lay more to my charge than I deserve. What the particular reasons were which induced Mr. Arnold to part with his wife, I will not say, but whatever his suspicions were, they never took their rise from me.' I found she intended to brazen this denial out, but as it was absolutely necessary to my design to bring her to confession of this particular act of perfidy, I resolved to lead her into it in such a way as should at least mortify her pride. "'Come, come, my dear Mrs. Gerard,' said I, "'I know you are above concealing any past failings that you are resolved to mend. I know very well that it was your insinuations and yours only that kindled the fire of jealousy in Arnold's breast. Such arts are not uncommon in lovers. You loved him then, and wished to have him entirely to yourself, and a wife, though a forsaken one, is still entitled to so much attention from her husband as a fond mistress may think robs her of too much. I know this was the case, and it is natural, but were you not an unmerciful little tyrant to involve me in the mischief, and put it into the man's noddle that I had designs upon his wife? The easy manner in which I affected to speak of this affair seemed to reconcile her a little to the charge, but the last part of it, which regarded myself, struck her all of a heap she had no notion that i knew it she was going to speak to deny the accusation i suppose and therefore i prevented her and taking her by the hand come now said i deal with me ingenuously and if you would persuade me that you are really in earnest and mean to repair those little lapses which you have inconsiderately been led into tell me truly did you really believe that I ever had any thoughts of an amour with Mrs. Arnold? I chose to give my inquiry this turn, that she might, with less shame to herself, by laying hold on the hint, acknowledge her guilt. She hesitated for an answer, and I guessed she was considering whether to persist in denying the whole charge against her or avail herself of the handle I had given her, and make a sort of merit of her sincerity, by pretending to believe what she was thoroughly convinced there was not the least foundation even to suspect, but what her own wicked suggestions had encouraged in the unfortunate Arnold. Her silence, thus rightly interpreted by me, made me go on. You see, I know all your secrets, and you are not the woman I take you for, if you conceal your real sentiments in this particular. More of my quiet depends on it than you are aware of, and I withdrew my hand from hers, with a serious and almost resenting air. She appeared disturbed, and in a good deal of confusion, 
but recovering herself. "'Why, really, Mr. Falkland, I can't say, but I had some suspicion of what you mention. I was no stranger to your fondness for Mrs. Arnold before she was married, and there was nothing very surprising in a disappointed lover's renewing his hopes, when he thought the neglect which a lady met with from her husband might incline her to be less obdurate to a man she was once known to favour so much. This was enough. I did not think it by any means necessary to press her to a farther explanation. What she said was a sufficient acknowledgment of her fault, though the cunning sorceress had turned the hint, which I had indeed thrown out on purpose, to her own advantage, and had the effrontery to avow an opinion which had never before entered into her imagination. I found it necessary now to carry on the farce, by assuring her I had never entertained a thought of Mrs. Arnold's dishonour, and that, though I made no great scruple of robbing a man of his mistress, yet I thought it a crime of the blackest dye to deprive him of the affection, or fidelity, of his wife. The serious manner in which I spoke this a little disconcerted Mrs. Gerard. "'Well,' said she, "'I can only say that I am very sorry I entertained so false a suspicion, and more so as it has produced such unhappy consequences. But I hope Mr. Falkland will not believe that I meant him any injury.' "'That I am sure you did not,' said I. "'And yet—' this very affair has given me more uneasiness than you can imagine for as mrs arnold's brother is my most particular friend he must think me the greatest of villains if i could entertain a thought of dishonouring his family the fear of losing his friendship i own gives me more pain than i can express and there is nothing i would not do to exculpate myself to him "'I am very unfortunate,' cried Mrs. Gerard, pretending to wipe her eyes, "'to have been the occasion of so much uneasiness in anybody's family. "'I wish I had died before I was so unhappy as to meet with Mr. Arnold. "'If it had not been for him, I might now have been an innocent and a contented woman.' "'And she really squeezed out a tear, though not of contrition.' "'Dear madam,' again taking her hand, "'do not afflict yourself for what is past recalling. "'Contentment, nay, happiness, I hope, is yet within your reach. "'It will be your own fault if you do not lay hold of it. "'As for the unhappy family that I as well as you have contributed to distress, "'I wish from my heart there could be a reunion amongst them.' Mr. Arnold's having lost you might perhaps incline him to turn his thoughts towards his wife, if he were not prejudiced against her by the suspicions he had entertained of her virtue. This, I am afraid, will be an insuperable bar to their ever living together, unless your influence, which first gave birth to this jealousy, is still forcible enough to remove it. I wish it were in my power said Mrs. Gerard. There is nothing I would not do to affect it, 
but what influence can i have on mr arnold after what has happened suppose you were to write to him said i you and he probably may never meet again and it would be an effort worthy indeed of a noble mind to repair the wrongs we have done to others by a candid acknowledgment of our own faults putting mrs arnold out of the question tis a reparation you own my character for however light the world may make a piece of gallantry with a married woman it is a matter of serious moment to me to acquit myself of the supposed crime to sir george biddulph if you think said she that my writing to mr arnold could produce such good effects i am ready to do it though i confess i hardly know how to address him for he must to be sure look upon me as the very reverse of what i really am and thinks me without dispute an ungrateful woman we can but try said i if it does not produce the desired effect it will not be your fault and you will have the satisfaction to reflect that you have done your duty i stepped to my escritoire while i was speaking and resolving not to give her time to call took out pen ink and paper and laid them on a little writing-table before her if this unlucky breach said i were once made up my mind would then be easy she took the pen in her hand but seemed irresolute and at a loss how to begin come madam said i and confute by your own example the received erroneous opinion that if a woman once strays from the paths of virtue she never returns to them a false and ill-grounded opinion indeed said she lifting up her profane eyes as in penitence what am i to say you are to observe that my notes as she went along while i dictated are put between brackets bracket begin close bracket dear sir bracket for i would be neither too familiar nor too cold close bracket the terms on which you and i have lived entitles you to an explanation of my reasons for leaving you so abruptly and i hope the generosity of my motive will incline you to overlook the seeming unkindness of the action bracket this you may assure yourself it will when he comes to consider coolly close bracket the unhappiness that i occasioned in your family by causing the separation of you and your wife has for a long time been a thorn in my heart and the more so as besides the robbing her of your affections i own and take shame to myself in the confession bracket how noble must he think this confession close bracket that those aspersions which i threw on her had not the least foundation in truth bracket this is truly great close bracket i always believed her perfectly innocent 
but if I could have had the least possible doubt of it before, I must now be confirmed in that opinion by Mr. Falkland, who can have no reason for excusing or concealing facts of this nature from me at present. Bracket. Here she added of herself, repeating it first aloud to me, and I think the preference he has given me to her, now in her state of separation, is a convincing proof of this. An admirable argument. Her vanity would not let her slip this observation. Proceed, madam. Close bracket. The true reasons of my insinuations against her were no other than that I could not bear to share your affections with anybody. Bracket, and a very sufficient reason, too, which a man that loves can easily forgive. Close bracket. I knew that so long as she gave you no cause for complaint, you were too just to withdraw your whole heart from her, and nothing but the whole would content me. Bracket. Still, you see, you show a great mind. True, said she, going on, but my reason for leaving him without apprising him of it, what are we to say for that? Oh, nothing more easy to execute. He will admire you the more for the reason I shall give. Come, close bracket. My departing, without first making you acquainted with my desire, and going off with another person, may at first sight seem very strange. But to tell you the real state of my heart, I found I could not trust to its firmness on the subject of parting with you. I loved you so, that it was with pain and grief I made the resolution, and I knew too well that had you used any arguments, which to be sure you would have done to dissuade me, I, like an easy fool, would have given up all my good designs. Bracket, I am only afraid this will make him love you more than ever. She smiled as she continued to write. Close bracket. As for the other article, bracket, this I was more puzzled to excuse than the first, but putting on a bold face, I said, Madam, I hope you will not condemn me here while you excuse yourself. The saying you were run away with will knock all the rest on the head, and he may choose whether he will believe that you really intended to break off with him or not. Therefore, that particular had better not be touched upon. "'Well,' said she, "'get me out of this scrape as cleverly as you brought me into it.' "'Fear not,' said I. "'Go on.' Close bracket. "'As for the other article, though I shall never love Mr. Falkland as I have done you, yet in him I have found a protector, and through his means I hope to pass the remainder of my life in a manner more suitable to a woman of a generous way of thinking than that wherein she considered herself as encroaching on the rights of another. I hope by this sacrifice which I have made of my love to a more 
heroic principle that i shall expiate my former offence and that you will follow my example so far as to make what reparation you can to the woman we have both injured bracket how this must raise how exalt you in his opinion i think it must cried she bridling up her head as if they were really her own sentiments Close bracket. i believe said i this is all that is necessary to be said you may add in a postscript that as he furnished the house for you at ashby everything in it is at his service together with your chariot and horses which were also his gifts she demurred at this and in the midst of her heroics said i wish i could get somebody to sell them for me privately and remit the money to me for since i am here i should like to see a little more of france before i returned i told her that would look mean and below a great mind well said she let them go i owe all my servants a year's wages and another person about fifty pounds for a little temple he had just built in my garden and not quite finished when i came away i think i better desire those debts to be discharged i have always been very punctual in my dealings and would not for the world wrong anybody you are in the right said i it will look honourable in you to desire those debts to be paid she now proceeded to conclude her letter in the same style she had begun it and added a postscript to the purport i mentioned i hastened to make her seal it up and direct it to mr arnold at his house in london who i suppose has had the pleasure of receiving it before now for i dispatched it off directly i flatter myself with the hope that it will have the desired effect on him you will think perhaps that as i have managed it i have really given her a sort of merit with him in the acknowledgment of her fault and the pretended reason she gives for leaving him no such thing sir george arnold is a man of too much sense and knows the world too well to be so deceived i have been told by my lord v who knows him perfectly that nobody judges better when he is not blinded by his passions all her professions must go for nothing when facts are against her tis plain she went off with another man and to all appearances premeditatedly as her maid and her riches bore her company tis also plain by her own confession that this man stands well with her as for her recanting her injurious aspersions on poor mrs arnold tis the only circumstance in her letter likely to gain belief as she could have no temptation to that but real compunction with which people of that kind are sometimes visited and for the rest of her letter to any one of common understanding that lays circumstances together it will appear as i intended it should the contrivance of an artful jilt who having almost ruined the wretch she has had in her power would afterwards make a merit of deserting him for they must be hardened reprobates indeed that would not if they could at least try to palliate 
their evil deeds. This is the light I expect Arnold will consider her in. I know he is hurt deeply in his fortune by this vile harpy. I hope the remnant may be sufficient to support your excellent sister, if not in affluence, at least with comfort, should she regain her influence over him, and submit to live with him again. This, I am sure, will be the consequence if he is not blind to his own happiness. I shall be impatient to know how the letter operates on him, but this you are not likely to be let into, and perhaps his pride may make him endeavour to conceal it from everybody. My Lord V, I am sure, will pick up some intelligence and send it to me. End of section 20